In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved sisters, we are celebrating the feast of the Nativity of our Savior on the second day, celebrating the synaxis of the Most Holy Mother of God, who was that unique, singular person through whom God was well pleased to become man, to take her as her mother, according to the flesh. We are celebrating a virginal birth, something unheard of, <coughs> something unique, something that was necessary to be done. Therefore, we call the Mother of God a virgin, an ever-virgin, virgin before the conception, during her pregnancy and after giving birth, a virgin for a reason, a reason if we, that, that is so fundamental for our salvation that if anybody does not consider that to be a tenet, a teaching, a fundamental doctrine of confessing it cannot, strictly speaking, be called a Christian. That is how important it is to confess that the Mother of God was a virgin and a mother at the same time. And we, unfortunately, there are those among uh, those who are in heresies who disregard this teaching, the teaching that was handed down from the apostles that, 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 and by the fathers, disregard it as of the secondary importance. Not so. For us, it is absolutely fundamental. Because, if, as I say, if that is not the case, not only we cannot be called Christians, but Christ's redemptive work would not work. Why? Why is it that it was necessary for the Mother of God to be a virgin, for our Savior to be conceived in her womb without violating her virginity, and to give her birth to be incorruptible? That is the birth of our Savior. Because, as St. Maximus, the confessor, tells us and explains us beautifully in his theological chapters, is that our Savior's flesh had to be incorruptible, the flesh that he assumed. And that was impossible to be done with the mode of procreation that is a fallen mode of procreation that we inherited from Adam and Eve after they were cast out from paradise before both of them were virgins, and God had other plans of multiplication of human race. It was when we fell that this kind of procreation, which has its based on the element of passion, that was enacted. And the corruptibility of human flesh is rooted in that. That is why nobody could escape death, not only because we sin and are debtors to death, but because our very flesh was conceived in a mother that was fallen. It wasn't thought, God had not thought that manner for appropriation. And therefore we have in our blood running the corruption. And that is why death had claim on us. Because death is corruption. And therefore nobody could escape the death because we had in ourselves death, death working already right from our conception. Therefore, for our Savior to deliver us from corruption, to deliver us from death, he couldn't take the same kind of flesh, yes, same nature, but not conceived in the same manner. Because his flesh had to be absolutely pure from corruption. And that is why he enacts this wonderful, every aspect of our Savior's wisdom in delivering us is beautiful. That is why he enacts a conception that is above the corruptible way of conceiving. And therefore his flesh is entirely untainted by corruption. That is why death had no power over it. Not only because our Savior was God incarnate. 
He didn't want to save us simply because He's God and can save us. He wanted to save us through overcoming death by our nature. That our nature, our human nature, should be victorious over death. And it couldn't be victorious over death if, if our Savior's flesh was also tainted with corruptib corruptible conception. That is why he takes our nature, but he takes our nature from a virgin, pure and, uh, and humble and compassionate. Somebody who was in her mind and in her body entirely pure. And he takes the nature not according to the corruptible way of conception, but by keeping her entirely pure and taking flesh from a different mode of conception that is above the passionate way of conception, his flesh was entirely incorruptible. And that is why death finds nothing of his in him. That is why he could not hold him in Hades. It was something that did not belong to death because our, flesh, our Savior's flesh did not have anything of death in him. How wondrous is the explanation of the fathers. How truly wondrous it is how they explain even smallest details of our salvation. How lit what we think might be a, a simply a pious uh, veneration to the Most Holy Theotokos, a, a pious uh, tradition is in reality could be a fundament of our faith. And it truly is. If we do not confess the Most Holy Theotokos is truly virgin mother, that she became mother of God by remaining a virgin without going through the corruptible mode of, of giving birth to him. If we don't believe them, that then our Savior's redemptive work of him through his flesh overcoming death and giving this flesh to us for sustenance would, would make no sense. Because if his flesh is of the same corruptible origin as ours, how can he sustain us with his flesh? How could he overcome death be, uh, through his human nature, not, as I say, only uh, by power of God, but overcoming, making our nature, being victorious over death. See how beautifully fathers explain this. And that is why it is a matter of confession of faith. Every time, in the, so many times in the, in the Theotokia, we, we chant that she is a virgin mother. And in one of the tones, I think, Plegel of uh, Second, the the, 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 the uh, dogmatic Theodokian, we, we say that she's before, during, and after. We are saying it constantly, repeating this, that this is our faith. And without this, the salvation, the conception of God as man, and him working our salvation for us, on behalf of us, through human nature, would not make, would not work, simply. That is why the fathers were so adamant, even on the smallest part of our Confession, not to touch it, not to innovate, not to add anything, not to subtract. Because as soon as we pull one string from our confession, we don't we think that it's just one that one string. But like in a carpet on a rug, it affects the whole uh, framework of what was what was woven. You pull one thread, and in somewhere else, it entirely distorts the the image. That is how faith is. It's a woven by the Holy Father, so that we behold it and keep it, and not start pulling threads thinking, oh, this is not important, that is not important, let me add another thread here, and look, we distort the image uh, by doing so. And it also teaches the virginity of the Most Holy Theotokos, how exalted this calling is, and how much beloved by God. 
and how much chastity should be a way of life, not only in body, which God has called us to, but in mind especially, that this is a calling and a blessing to pursue. And this is important to remember. It's a blessing, not our accomplishment. As soon as we start thinking that we have accomplished something by, vir by virginal life, by ch chaste life, at, in body at least, that's when we really truly fail to see the big perspective of what is virginity and chastity, uh, the purpose of it is. The chastity that is to be chaste in body is conducive to the purity of heart. And what is purity of heart? St. Isaac says, the purity of heart, the limpid purity, is to have a heart that is compassionate and merciful. Look how I always marvel at this connection that St. Isaac said, uh, says about the purity of heart, and limpid purity, as he calls it, and compassion. You would think purity means not thinking bad thoughts, not doing bad things. Yeah, we, uh, we understand. But he says that's the basic, that's the starting level. The purpose of that, of living a chaste life, is to acquire a pure heart, which is a heart that is full of compassion. And the example of this is given marvelously in the uh, uh, parable of the ten virgins. But all of them were virgins, those the five that were wise, and five were foolish. Now, what was lacking in the five that didn't have oil? What is the one of the explanations that the fathers explain, and Mark Ascetic explains this uh, in a marvelous way. What was lacking in the oil, the significance of oil, what was lacking in the five virgins' lamps, although they are virtuous in chastity, because they're called virgins, right, in the parable, was mercy. They did not possess mercy. They had not, they had lost the bearing, they'd lost the vision that the purpose of chastity is to attain to the compassionate heart when one's heart aches for everyone that is being uh, uh, treated badly, everybody that needs compassion, everybody that needs mercy. And Isaac says even for the whole creation, a merciful heart aches. Therefore, the five virgins, what they did not possess, apart and besides of their virtues, was a merciful heart. They didn't have the oil of mercy. In their life, they had assumed that virginity was their accomplishment, therefore became self-centered, looking at their own adornment of chastity that they had, instead of looking to God in their life and their neighbor. That is why they never made it to the, to the wedding feast of the master. The fire of virtue in the lamp St. Mark the ascetic says, is fed by oil of mercy. And if oil is absent, the uh, fire will go out. How long can a lamp last without fire? It will burn, smoke, become dark, and that's it. But if it has oil, the fire of virtue is sustained constantly. And this oil is what we have to understand is the purpose of everything that we're doing to acquire that pure heart which is a merciful heart, a heart that is truly compassionate, not in sentimental way, not in just superficial feelings, but truly in a whole being understanding that we have to have mercy on one another. And this is exactly the adornment of the Most Holy Theotokos. Beyond her purity, 
beyond her virginity, beyond up above all those great things that she was. She was a soul that was so compassionate that St. Philaret, the uh, Metropolitan of New York, says in the uh, homily about her or for the Annunciation that she from the youth up having read the plight of humanity, the fall of Adam and Eve, and the plight of humanity, the separation from God that humanity was suffering for, she was from her youth up aching for humanity, that how it had lost the glory that God had given uh, to humanity, how we had been led astray and became slaves of the devil. Her soul was entirely compassionate for the creation, and that's what our Savior saw of his in her. Because he is compassionate, merciful, and plenteous in mercy, and aches for the whole creation, and is merciful even to those who are ungrateful to him. He saw not beyond her purity, beyond her pure mind that never had any taint of the world, he saw in her his own pure image, the image of one who is compassionate and merciful. And that is why she was a chosen vessel. She is the leader of those five virgins, who entered into the, into the wedding feast because beyond the, uh, her fire of lamp of virtues was fed by abundance of oil that is of mercy. And that is what we are called to. That is why I said that if we stop at simply contemplating us that yes, we live away from the world and we have chosen the path of chastity, but don't see it as a blessing, as a starting point to acquire to the true purity, which is the purity of heart, that is to have a compassionate heart, then this will be of no avail to us, just as it was no, of no avail for those foolish virgins, who were virgins, who were chased in their way of life, but did, had not attained to the purpose of chastity, which is to have a heart that is compassionate. Let us therefore celebrate on the second day of the Nativity Contemplate and think of the Mother of God as the leader of all those who want to live chastely. Not only in virginity in the monastery, but uh, out there in the world. For chastity is a calling for everybody, not for uh, monks and nuns only, but those in the world as well, those who marry. It is the one marrying doesn't mean that one should be given over to passion. No, chastity, helping each other in chastity, man and wife, that is how they are helpmates for salvation. And they should be centered in this. Therefore, let us have the Most Holy Theotokos as our guide, as a that wise virgin, the first among all those virgins who had her life as a lamp for the whole world and was fed by abundance of mercy. And to this day, she has mercy on all of us. That is why she is our only true intercessor with our Savior. How much love he has for the whole creation can only compare with the love of our Savior that he has for the whole creation. Let us therefore imitate her as much as we can, struggling for the sake of chastity, for the sake of purity of mind, and acquiring that true purity, which is purity of heart, that is to have a compassionate heart, to reach that state which means to have compassion and mercy as our Savior has also on the whole, whole creation. If we attain that to that, then we have started well and finished well as well. Of this may our Savior, through the intercessions of the Most Holy Theotokos, the Virgin Mother, grant us for the, and uh, all of us, all the, all the Christians. Amen. <laughs>